how dope would that be if it was like a regular streaming service but all the like you could just pick ebonic subtitles <laughs> and the dub <laughs> like, too you could do, do regional dumb. ebonics because you know there's a the little differences yeah. from the west coast to the east <laughs> i want to watch crouching tiger in detroit <laughs> <laughs> What's up? This is Marcus Lindsay and Yannick and BJ, and we are the Better Movie Maybe podcast. In this podcast, we review films based on their concepts. We try to see if this film had a great concept and maybe poor execution. We've gone through different films um, based on how great the concept was and why it didn't quite deliver. Um, this episode, we're actually flipping the script. We're going through a movie that some of us consider a favorite of ours and we're going to talk about why this movie's concept works why the storytelling devices they used work um, and pretty much just praise this film for a few minutes um, so this episode we're actually going to talk about crouching tiger hidden dragon uh let's just hop into it let's open it up with first impressions so you guys i assume most of you've seen this already or coming back into it what did you think about it so yeah, this film has always been one of my favorites. Um, I'm definitely a huge uh, like martial arts fan, but I feel like this, what this movie did when it came out, it was like not just a martial arts film, but it was like a really good drama. You know, it's like a mystery, um, action, love story. I had it all. And it was just kind of, and I, I think it won a bunch of awards mm. um, or at least was nominated. Um, so yeah, this is, this is definitely on my list of my favorites. Yeah, this movie... Um, I remember seeing parts of it, like maybe in, in high school. Um, I think at a, I think in 2000, I was, I was still too young, um, to like really sit down and watch like an artful piece or whatever. But yeah, I, I remember having a high, uh, a martial arts phase and I remember seeing parts of this film. I don't think I ever watched it all the way through though until this until recently um and yeah i mean this especially considering the other stuff that we've watched here this movie just hits different it's uh and i mean considering the the oscars that it's won i mean but the character development of the story and just the set pieces man alive yeah this this movie um this this movie hit different it, it hit me in, in a special way. Yeah, so I hate to be that guy straight out the gate, but yeah, I saw this movie when I was in high school, I think, and I don't think I finished it. I remember my dad renting this one and we both were like, where is all the Kung Fu action? Um, there were these bits and pieces of the movie that, you know, they had these cool scenes that were set up with them flying around, fighting each other. But growing up, I was like the Bruce Lee, the Jet Lee. I want somebody breaking somebody's spine, jumping in the air and just coming down, just destroying somebody in a, in a tournament. And this was like, nah, there's love and there's this. And on top of that, high school me wasn't trying to read. Um, it was just all, all subtitles. So going into this, I was like, all right, well, grown up me surely is going to get into this movie and be an adult about this film. And I had the same issues as a grown man. So that was, 
and that's on me i mean we'll, we'll go through this movie and everybody will tell me how great it is and i'll try not to be that guy that's like eh, not a big fan but um i will say i do recognize why people like this movie um it it wasn't something that was necessarily going back watching it that i was like all right this isn't a movie that i'm just going to pick up and watch on a regular this is a one and done for me but but yeah so i'm not going to be a hundred percent that this is the the movie i dislike but i just wasn't a fan so that's kind of my first impression coming back into it i actually finished it so that's a pat on the back for me (laughs) (laughs) this movie was released in 2001 it was directed by ang lee the uh fight choreography was done by yuan Ping, which is one of the greats in china beautiful uh cello music by yo yo ma and then the uh the top billing is uh, let me get that for you. Chow Yun Fat plays Lee Mubai. Michelle Yao plays mm-hmm. Xu Lin. Zhang Ziyi plays Jen. Um, and so yeah, so the movie starts off. Um, we see Xu Lin. She is the head of Sun Security, and she I guess protects uh, companies who hire her. You know to make to protect their deliveries, et cetera. But um, it starts off with, you know, she's, she's doing her job, but then um, Lee Mubai, he returns to, you know, to where they're from. And so it starts with them kind of reuniting. He, he explains that, you know, he reached like some new level in his training um, where he just felt empty. And she was like, oh, you reached enlightenment. And he's like, yeah, but it was like agony. Like there was something pulling me back into this world. Um, and so this is kind of like, yeah, it's kind of the beginning of, they're going to have a, a series of conversations throughout the, the film and they each kind of like escalate their personal relationship, like at least the audience's understanding of it. Um, and so just kind of seeing their interaction here kind of sets the stage for what's to come. And they... Yeah, I, um, sorry, yeah. To, I just... This this moment kind of jumped out to me. Um, I know, you know he's not Buddhist or Hindu, but like just this conversation about alignment. And this is where, uh, this is where I put on my suit and tie. <laughs> the same silly, goofy dude. He's still there. But this is where you get to know the religious studies individual, mm. the uh, the film connoisseur. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like with this moment when he talks about enlightenment, uh, it just made me think about like the origin of, of Buddhism and Siddhartha Gautama. You know, he was this prince who lived most of his life in this palace. He finally walks out of the palace walls and he sees poverty for the first time. He sees pain. He sees hunger. And that's when he went to go sit under this tree, I forget what type of tree, to get enlightenment and, you know, becomes, you know, the, the, the first Buddha and kind of launches the philosophy of, of Buddhism. And it was just interesting because the whole idea of Buddhism is this, you know, enlightenment is, is for, for inner peace and, and to, to, to find oneness and, and fulfillment. And for this dude off the gate to be like, yeah, I hit enlightenment and I hated it. <laughs> like, I don't know, like that just kind of hit me. I just thought it was super interesting. And I don't know, maybe there's also a connection to like 
you know, I used to be a very conservative religious individual and um, just not really finding peace with enlightenment. I don't know. It's just, uh, and I don't know if that really adds to the story or anything like that, but yeah, that, no, I mean, that part, that definitely kind of, I was just like, dang, like, that's kind of deep. Like, I, I did all the things that these people said to do. I hit enlightenment. And I was like, nah, bro. <laughs> yeah. I don't want this enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely, like, it, it definitely has, like, this philosophical intrigue to it. Like, even though it's not a philosophical movie. I mean, it, you know, there's some parts to it, but it was just like, oh, enlightenment is not always this perfect thing, right? And, Especially, yeah, case by case. Yeah. Right. And so as that, as that being kind of like the setup to their relationship, I think it's, it's an interesting place to start. And I think it makes sense how it kind of resolves. Um, so yeah, they have their little conversation. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Um, they agree to meet up later. He's going to go somewhere. Um, right. she's, go she's going to the city. She's like, okay, you know, uh, maybe we can meet up when we get there. I think that's what he says. Mm -hmm. But he's there to give his sword, the green destiny to Sir K. And so this sword is kind of another centerpiece of one of the themes of the film. Um, it kind, it of, kind of, it kind of has like, it holds like the backbone, I would say, mm -hmm. the theme of the movie. This Green Destiny seems to like, it's like the, you know, totem for the film, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so he's there. He gives the sword to Sirte. Sirte is kind of the guy, their host, um, the guy who, who owns the compound that they're in. And so he tells him that he has to go avenge his master and kill Jade Fox. So he gives he gives a sword to Sirte. Now, Sirte, he his his conversation with Shulin kind of reveals that uh, he knows like or he has some insight into the relationship between Lumubai and and Shulin. Like he, so he has like kind of like a third party view of it. Um, and, I, and I wrote down the, the quote that he says to her in regards to like their relationship. He's like, uh, when it comes to emotions, even great heroes can be idiots. Because mm. these two, they're, they're, the, they're the heroes, you know, like right. everyone yeah. knows them. She's the security guy. He's the great hero. Um, so something that that sticks out to me, like while you're kind of walking through these scenes, right, mm -hmm. is that. In some of the, I guess, the inferior movies that we saw, I still find them fun. Um, but in some of the less artful movies um, that we've seen, is that I feel like writers slash directors, whoever you want to put this on, don't give enough or don't trust the audience enough to build up. And this movie trusts the audience enough to say, I'm setting up things now and setting up themes. And this goes on for at least like maybe. 15 minutes or so like mm -hmm. it doesn't start off like most movies that we've kind of reviewed before where it starts off with some scene of somebody getting shot or some action scene or some fight scene uh, to kind of kick the ball rolling this movie starts off with a philosophical conversation about enlightenment that's and that's why high school me turned it off immediately i went <laughs> if we're not going to start with a kick in the throat i don't want this movie so i think I think a lot of people can take a page from this where a lot of great movies that you watch and just using this one as an example, take the time to build up because that's what you hold on to throughout this whole movie, right? That's what mm -hmm. kind of moves this movie along is these themes, these characters, the relationships. And if it were to start with, 
even though I would have loved it if it would have started with some fights, some battles and this and that, it ultimately would have been a weaker walk through the movie, right? You'd be trying to figure out who's this person, what's their relationship with this person, mm-hmm. what's this green destiny about? Yeah, it can cut through this or it can cut through that. But I think trusting an audience to say, all right, I'm going to explain some of these characters and not, and this wasn't a boring way to do it where you have people actually just having conversations because they were organic conversations where people were just kind of talking, welcoming each other, getting to know each other, saying goodbye, those types of things. It wasn't like a turn to the audience and just like exposit information, right? It's just people talking, you kind of see how they live with each other. And I think that that's what kind of sets movies like this apart is trusting your audience to understand that there's a buildup into the acts like there's mm. there's a reason to build this momentum so that when the when the movie starts moving now we don't have to explain all this stuff anymore you know this person's related to this person this mm. person's motivation is this and so i think that's what kind of sets this movie on that level at the same time being a movie i I just barely finished. I barely, <laughs> barely got across that finish line. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to talk about that, like taking their time to set up, build. That was, that was something I kind of paid attention to. Like we were like 12 minutes in, 15 minutes in, we're talking. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was thinking about is like, you know, American movies, they have a hard time just sitting and like introducing stuff without an explosion or like a, you know, uh, someone's head getting cut off or something. And this movie, I think, and this is kind of something across the board, I've always kind of like in my back of my mind, you know, the idea of a genre called foreign film, they kind of get off the hook of, oh, they have subtitles, it's a different language. So now we're stepping into it with a different kind of reverence and patience. You know what I'm saying? It's also a period piece. So it's like, the different shots of like seeing ancient China and like the, the beautiful rolling landscapes and all this stuff, it kind of like, it lets you like, kind of like, all right, okay, I can wait for, you know, someone to kick someone in the face later. Um, and it was just interesting, like just that strong choice of like, you know, they're making this movie. It's clearly a very expensive film. They know good and well, they want to go to international audiences. They want to pull in the American market. But Ang Lee and the team behind, you know, making this film, they're still just like, no, no, no. We're going to sit and talk about the Green Destiny. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they talk about, like, two, three times, you know, we're going to have this subtext of these, you know, two folks that clearly, you know, want to touch each other. <laughs> and, like, we're going to take our time. Like, we're going to chill with this. Like, we'll get there. And the audience is going to be cool with it because once we get to, you know, the action that Marcus loves, <laughs> and get to the twists at the end and like you know complete these things they're gonna love it which obviously they were correct in this case with this film so yeah it, it was just very interesting like this is not G.I. Joe Rising Cobra this is not ultraviolet like we know exactly who these characters are we know exactly what's at stake so like literally anything can happen from this point forward and we understand like any character action or motivation yeah. And I feel like they, they do this intro setup, you know, character setup pretty efficiently, like their conversation, you know, there, w- there was no exposition. They just, it's, it's a conversation that two people who've known each other for a long time would have. Um, but the next part is introduces the next important character. This is Chief's, Chief Yu's daughter, Jen. Um, mm. And uh, she gets to see the sword. Um, she 
this is where she and Shulin meet for the first time. Um, Jen kind of does this little fangirling thing where she uh, she likes she says, "Oh, I wish I had the freedom of you know, mm -hmm. of a warrior of uh, somebody mm -hmm. in your world. You know, I have mm -hmm. to get married and you know, mm -hmm. live that kind of life." Um, and so, uh, you know, they they have so they also have several conversations um, throughout. Um, and this one, this one's the way the way this conversation goes is kind of like she's she's showing her admiration but at the same like you find out later that she's not being completely like forthright and honest with mm -hmm. with uh shulin um hiding her intentions which you find later on um but, yeah they kind of they kind of bury the exposition a bit yeah. because you have this woman the way that she's dressed you understand that she's not a warrior just visually speaking and then she literally says oh I wish that I could go out there and do all these crazy things that you did, you know, like, and the way that she's acting, she's acting like someone who is starved for attention and she's bored and she can't wait just to sit down with this woman. You have a character who hides who she is while she's just giving you blatant on the nose exposition, which we get rewarded with later, right? The next scene, we actually meet the Green Destiny um we meet is this the first itself. time we actually see it uh, no uh, uh i don't i don't remember they take a while to show us the, the sword yeah but in this scene we see it very intimately um mm -hmm. sir tay is showing chief you the sword yeah giving all the dimensions mm -hmm. saying like you know it's made with a technique that's lost it's like basically just explaining how it's such a perfect weapon and it's so rare and unique the sword glows when he takes it out of the scabbard. I think it's cool. Maybe this is just super, extremely too detailed. But like he talks about like how it's missing some gems that were like mm. either in the hilt or somewhere. Mm -hmm. And like, again, we think about the idea of like this sword represents kind of the theme of the movie. You know, it's, it's perfectly made, but it still is not in its former glory. So it right. still gets the job done better than any other sword. But like, how much more glorious was it like back when it was intended to be used? Mm -hmm. Again, kind of thinking about the idea of their relationships that are represented here. Um, yeah, that's probably way too detailed. Like, that's not <laughs> that's, a, that's like the kind of stuff that like uh, when like uh, you know just art like critics or watching movies <laughs> they're trying to add all this extra value. Well, like, no, nah, man. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I would you know I would say that the sword is essentially a character and mm -hmm. you know jen you know as you will see jen's relationship to it um is causes you know a lot of the issues that the film has and um you know one of the things that will that you'll hear later on is that it's really the the skill of the swordsman that matters you know and so she's mm -hmm. not really mm -hmm. even like she's putting more faith in it than she really needs to. Because mm -hmm. um, I think there's one fight scene where, where she has the green destiny and he's using like a stick and he just is like, yeah, right. like it's about, you know, like. <laughs> the truth was fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's the sword. So now, and then there's a quick scene where we meet the governess. She comes mm -hmm. in, she, she, she starts combing Jen's hair. You see they have a special relationship um 
I honestly don't remember the scene. <laughs> we don't have to get into it. Because this is this is a uh, Jade Fox yeah, yeah. disguised as we like the yet. servant later, late lady, lady governess, servant lady as the governess. Yeah. So it was like there was a lot of like because I remember the dialogue was very um, had a lot of innuendo, right? Where mm-hmm. on one end she's literally it sounds like she's just concerned that this young maiden is, oh, you're, you're going to overwork yourself and you have a wedding to think about. But then later when we find out who Jade Fox is, it turns out everything she's saying in the dialogue is much more to the point of like, we can't have these people know who we are, bro. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it was very clever dialogue. And then like, you kind of have Jen, she, she shuts her down, which again, at this point in the movie, it feels like, oh, this chick will tell a servant to shut the hell up. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to like, you know, getting to the reality of it. It's like, oh, they both have to keep this guise up of <laughs> this this woman is literally like one of the best swordsmen <laughs> mm-hmm. or swordswomen, you know, in the country. Um, yeah, that's that's. And I, I think they show crazy. like um, a wanted a wanted picture. Of yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they all think like that a... Jade Fox is a dude. Oh, yeah. Really? Didn't they, didn't, weren't they looking for a man for oh, Jade Fox? Man. And it wasn't until Lee Mubai was like, nah, bro, Jade Fox is a woman. Oh, yeah, I remember dun, that dun, part. Dun. <laughs> That's what my subtitle said. Ah, nah, bro. <laughs> Jade Fox nah, bro. is a woman. <laughs> I was Why like, aren't yeah. subtitles, like, you know, in, in dialects as well, like, Ebonic subtitles? Like, what would that look like? You got to start that business as a producer. I'd be into it. How dope would that be if it was like a regular streaming service, but all the like you could just pick Ebonic subtitles <laughs> and the dub like, too. You could do, you could do regional dope. Ebonics because you know there's the little differences from yeah. the West Coast to the East. <laughs> I want to watch Crouching Tiger in Detroit. I want to watch Crouching Tiger from Brooklyn. Like this green, this green destiny is mad sharp, B. <laughs> dead ass, B. I'm the I'm the best swordsman, dead ass. Yo, that could be the next thing we do. Like we do, we do, we dub movies, but with vernacular. Yo, that's actually kind of like because you could do the full like voiceover too. You know, mm-hmm. get like serious actors. Like, you think Denzel would do it? He'd be like, all right, Denzel, we're going to need you to do Detroit, uh, Compton, uh, Brooklyn, uh, and see if you could throw in some Tampa. (laughs) 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 Stupid. Um, So the next scene is a fun one. We have a ninja. Yes. Jumps through the window. Chinese have ninjas, too? I thought ninjas were Japanese. Um, well, would you consider Batman a ninja? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess that, that answers that. <laughs> I think Batman as a ninja has been used in several arguments across this show so far. Yeah. <laughs> people just be like, Batman's a ninja, and we'll be like, okay, moving on. Well, there we go. <laughs> it's, it's the, 
it's the universal nerd trump card if you ever use right. batman it's like well i guess that's the end of that discussion that's, the argument is now closed We're done. <laughs> um so a highly skilled martial artist dressed all in black and hiding in the shadows uh jumps through the window and steals the green destiny yeah. Um, how do you guys feel about this scene? So um, Marcus needs to go ahead and expose you himself. Want me? So I Open like up. that you I like that you gave that that ninja a politically correct title. <laughs> that feels very inclusive to me, and I like right. that. Sure. Um, so this scene was the scene I was waiting for the entire movie. So I've probably sat through about 20 minutes so far of Crouching Tiger yeah. hidden martial arts. And <laughs> this was my moment where I was like, here comes the fighting. Here comes all the cool action that I saw from the commercial. And then it it was just people tiptoeing on rooftops for like <laughs> five minutes. And I was like, okay, but fight. And they're like, all right. And then they just did like these cool dances with sound effects. Like mm. they weren't hitting each other. They're just like spinning and, mm. and I was like, all right. Where's the where's the weight? Y'all yeah. Gonna yeah. Punch punch somebody. But then, you know, they tried to punch, but then they would just like dance around the fist. And I was mm. like, when are they gonna fight? They made me wait 20 minutes talking about a sword and things like that. And then when they fought, it was beautiful, but it wasn't a fight. It was just it was art. And um yeah. and so <laughs> I think that's kind of the recurring. I won't I won't dwell on it because I know there's like maybe one more fight sequence in this whole movie. <laughs> but no, there's far more. Well, there's a fight Multiple. sequence and then there's also dances. Um, there's a lot more dances <laughs> and which a lot of people will say are the action sequences. And I don't know if the ballet is action sequences to you guys, but I need some fights. So this happens. They like tiptoe, they fight and everybody's like, oh no, there's this uh, classically trained martial artist dressed in dark colors running from rooftop to rooftop and it wasn't it wasn't something I was a big fan of. Mm -hmm. I think watching the trailer, I saw this stuff in the trailer and I thought it was just gonna lead to like that Bruce Lee, mm -hmm. Jet Lee, Lee, Jackie Chan type beat him up. And then it didn't do that. It was and it wasn't bad to look at. I mean, I don't want that to be what comes off. It looked great. It was crisp. They pulled the camera away so you can see the choreography, which most movies don't really do anymore. They just chop them. So like somebody throws a punch and you see it from 17 angles and it does nothing. And it's the, it's terrible. This was, you saw the whole sequence from start to finish, but it just something about, I know like the wire work and stuff is that's kind of the style of the movie. It just made everything seem so dreamlike mm -hmm. and floaty that it just, to me, it didn't resonate. Like I needed some hard hitting action and this wasn't the intro into it for me. So this is when I was putting my hand on, the stop button mm. which was on my vcr back in the day when i was watching this mm -hmm. it probably was out on uh -oh. dvd and i was still watching on vcr that's fine wow vcr <laughs> but yeah that's that, that was kind of me with this thing well I, I would say that the first half of this is essentially a, a chase scene you know like okay. even even mm -hmm. during the fight she's still trying to get away um so first you know she jumps on the roof she's throwing tiles at this the bow who's kind of like a useless security guard um she she fights these people who are claiming to be street performers um so she's running you know fighting random people trying to get away mm -hmm. shulin enters the picture 
Um, and the ninja has met her match. You know, Shulin and the mm -hmm. ninja are seemingly um, equally talented, equally skilled. Um, and so Shulin wants to, you know, just trying to capture this person, um, but she keeps like slipping away. She's very evasive, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, they're, they're doing the floating thing. There's a, a part where Shulin punches her and, and the ninja does like this weird, this weird uh, maneuver. And she's like, oh, have you been trained at, at Wudang? So she kind of like re revealed herself a little bit um, in, in her, I guess, her, her move choice. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it is very dancey. Um, but I feel like the cinematography was nice. There's scenes where like the ninjas in the shadow, she wins in the light, but they're still fighting. Mm -hmm. They switch, you know, like, and it is very dance-like. Um, I think the cool, one of the coolest parts is the end of this where uh, Shulin basically got the upper hand, but then, you know, right before she can do anything or take the sword back, she like catches a dart from behind her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dart catches. And that, that became like uh, one, of the, one of the things that I guess the, the media latched onto, like everyone was doing yeah. uh, homages to that scene. Yeah. I think there was like a, a Super Bowl commercial where they, they did that. Mm. It's like, it's funny cause it's like, it's so cool. But it's like, as far as filmmaking goes, it's like the easiest trick. Yeah. Because all she has to do is just have it in her hand already. Just like pull her hand up. No, she learned how to actually catch darts. That's, that's what I assume. <laughs> I assume they did several takes of darts like, in her. Doesn't homie do it with chopsticks later? Man, yeah. Fire. <laughs> it's so cool. Because yeah. like, I, I understand what you're saying, Marcus. Like floaty, whatever, doesn't have the same weight. I don't know, like, I was very much engaged in these fights. Because, again, like, I had realized I've only seen scenes or bits of this, you know, probably over TV or whatever over the years, over the last 21 years. And uh, for me, I was engaged. Like, I, I didn't know. Like, I felt like the choreography was done in such a way where I couldn't tell who was going to win in any given fight. So when someone got away or when someone got killed or whatever, like I was genuinely surprised, you know what I'm saying? Versus like, I feel like when I watch, you know, let's throw in like Ultraviolet or Rise of Cobra, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. I feel like I'm not really afraid that the main characters are ever gonna get hurt or get killed or whatever. But like in this, you know, Crouchy Tiger, it's just like, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the stakes are. Like, I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen, mm -hmm. you know, in any given scene. And obviously once you get to the end of the movie, they do things that, you know, most movies don't have the guts to do because they're always thinking about you know sequels and franchises but um yeah I, I i enjoyed i enjoyed it i i will agree with you i think calling it action isn't necessarily fair because it is it's just a little bit too beautiful to be called a fight scene <laughs> but it still kind of gave me the same like excitement as a fight scene like i still was like ooh. Oh, you know, like by myself in my apartment. Oh, oh, you see that? And no one answers back. What a sad life. Oh, man. No, but it is. It is very like it's. It's like theater fighting. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like brawling in the street. It's like there's still a story to it, but it's so beautiful. It's stage worthy. Mm -hmm. Um. 
so now we have uh, this this guard bow. He uh, he tracks down the street performers. Um, and he does it like pretty easily, I guess. Right? He's just like he looks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through like, the, the window, and they're just like so sharpening knives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I found him. <laughs> that was funny. Right. So Jade Fox is back. He tracks down the street performers. Um, now we have like the second uh, conversation between Shulin and Jen. Shulin shows up. It shows up. Um, I think she she and Bo both kind of suggest that um, they think that the thief is somehow associated with uh, the guest chief you um, mm-hmm. because the 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 chase scene slash fight was centered around his compound mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so now so now shulin goes you know to chief you and he, she finds the daughter they have a conversation the daughter is doing calligraphy you know mm-hmm. she was is, is uh analyzing her and trying to gauge her they have another conversation about you know being a married you know getting married versus being the warrior living the warrior doesn't life. she doesn't she see like notice something about her calligraphy technique and says something like it's like a swordsman's or something like that. Yeah, she's like, uh, you never know. Like, it's interesting to note that like the calligraphy technique is is yeah, it's a sword play. Yes, yeah. The whole scene was like uh, a little game of chess. I loved it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I like about it. There's like a mystery aspect to it, mm-hmm. but that you're following along with, like you know, you're you're right there with them. Well, it also gets a way of like one of those lazy stereotypes in film. And you know, I should say cliche instead of stereotype. One of those lazy cliches in film for me, which is like the obtuse hero. You know what I'm saying? Like the detective who literally can't figure it out to the very end, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or the fact that like no one knows who Clark Kent is. It's like, <laughs> but like in this scene, they get straight to it. She's like, oh, it's kind of like sword fighting, ain't it? You know, she's just trying to catch this chick. You know, from from slipping. We don't need to have Shulin out this woman at this time, but you know, you can like she's kind of letting the audience know, yeah, like the only reason why like she hasn't outed this woman, and that's kind of more of the mystery, right? Like the mystery isn't trying to figure out who did it. We're more interested in like why? Why are you doing it? Why mm-hmm. did you like what? What's going on in your life? Yeah. And that's kind of what she kind of does, right? Like what you're saying, like. They start talking about marriage and yeah. the duty of a woman and all this stuff. And Shu Lin seems way more interested in helping this woman kind of understand, like, yo, like you can miss out on opportunities, you know, if you make the wrong choices at this age. Right. And and this also gives Shu Lin the kind of the opportunity to to be a little vulnerable with her because she explains the situation between her, her the the woman the, or the guy that she was supposed to marry Shulin and Lee Mubai I guess he and Lee Mubai were like brothers and so mm-hmm. um, for anything to happen between her and Lee Mubai would be like breaking an oath to to the brother or to to, to, to the man she was um, promised to mm-hmm. um, and so I guess the fact that they they both are kind of like in situations where their hands are tied essentially um they agree to be sisters 
right? So now they are sisters by, you know, in, in word, I guess. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, let's see. Okay, so so now we go back to Bo. He's with the street performers who are now, mm-hmm. you know, obviously not street performers. Find out that they're tracking Jade Fox. Mm-hmm. And then this is when the second dark catch happens with the chopsticks. <laughs> so the dude's a police officer, right? Yeah. From like another officer. town. Mm-hmm. He's tracking Jade Fox. And then that's his daughter. Yeah. And he catches darts with chopsticks. Like, it's just cool. They're just eating ramen. <laughs> <laughs> Dart comes through the window. It's just from behind, he catches it with chopsticks. It's Man, like right in front of him. It. Yeah. Oh, did he come from the front? Yeah. And it has a name. Either way. Oh, that's not cool. as cool. I like that. You were <laughs> quite disappointed. Oh, he hmm, from the front. Nah. What's the movie? Anymore. What's the movie where they catch a fly with chopsticks? Mm, um, it's not Karate Kid, is it? I think he pretends to. Or doesn't he? Oh no! Wait. There's some movie. Oh, um, Ultraviolet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my favorite film of the early two thousands. <laughs> It's hilarious. So, oh yeah. So the so the dart has a note. It's like meet me here at midnight. Yeah, yeah. So you read it. Meet me here at midnight. Mine just said in subtitles, "Meet me here at midnight." But it was sinister. Mine said, "Mine said, hey nigga, be here in the park. (laughs) Pull up, pull up on site." That's what my subtitle said. <laughs> On site, nigga. <laughs> Holla at your boy. <laughs> um, before the fight, <laughs> Limu Ba returns. Mm-hmm. And Shulin's like, oh, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I thought we agreed to meet up again. Oh, yeah. Man, this scene. Because it's just like, that's how females do, man. Yeah, she kind of plays, I guess, um, I don't know. Koi. Koi, yeah. Because she had told him, like, yo, when you're coming back through, meet me in the city, we can, you know, see what's up. Mm-hmm. So he shows up, and she's like, what are you doing here? Like, nigga, you yeah, told he, me to show up. He didn't even know the Green Destiny had been stolen. Yeah, that's right, that's right. She's like, oh, you must be here for the Green Destiny. No, I got rid of it. I came here for you. <laughs> Man, I was so frustrated. But now they have a whole Green Destiny situation to deal with. Yeah, so he gets to be distracted. So they get to keep prolonging their awkward, like, side eyes and almost touching hands, which is kind of adorable. (laughs) So next we have a fight scene, Jade Fox versus the street performers and Bo. The cop, his daughter, and Bo. Was this one too flighty for you, Marcus? I think this was a better scene. Cause I feel like somebody got a ninja star in the face or something. Something happened, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, catch that with your chopstick." <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nah, this scene was kind of dope because it showcased the character that I I think I was waiting 
for, and I guess he's not really the main character, but Lee Mubai, it showcased him actually doing some martial arts, right? Mm -hmm. And because throughout this movie to this point, like we're like maybe 30, 40 minutes in, everybody just talks about how dope this dude is. And he's like, yeah, I used to be the man. I achieved enlightenment, all that. And everybody's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're like the greatest of all times. And I'm like, when is he going to do something? I'm watching this whole movie. <laughs> this man ain't been in it. So he comes through like after they had a whole fight sequence between like the, the the street performer, the cop guy, and you're like, oh, she is waxing these people. He comes in and he's kind of, and I mean, it still kind of has that floaty feel to it, but I think it works here for me because it's just showing that he's way better than everybody. Like it's effortless to him to be the nicest out of all of these people. Yeah, there, there's definitely like tier levels mm-hmm. to their skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the I think the the beginning of this fight before he shows up, it definitely feels more grounded because they're like less powerful. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're not like jumping on roofs and, and all that stuff. So they're 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 on the ground. It's a little bit more hard hitting. Um yeah, Jade Fox is is uh she's over, she she can overpower the people that she's fighting, but the cop is keeping up. He's pretty good, mm-hmm. and then Bo's just getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So like they're fighting Jeez. around him. He really was. Um, and so I think there's it's a point where like she's about to kill the cop, and then then the Mubai shows up, mm-hmm. and he's like fighting her with one hand. He's like basically he manipulating was... her, however she like however he wants he was super nice with it like he came into the scene like and it like that's i i really appreciate that they talk it up you know they talk about him and even like when we get the the quiet moments where he's kind of revealing more about himself to Shin, Shinu, Shin, uh, yes uh where when they're talking like he's talking more of the philosophical side but clearly like for the homie to reach enlightenment like he's got to be next level so we finally see it, and like he's cl- like he's nicer than everybody, and it's like literally because he has he has this code of ethics, like he doesn't need to have you know overpower anybody. Like nobody's dead right now. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. he doesn't see them as as or yeah, I guess it's them. He doesn't see them as a true threat. Like he can kind of see deeper and realize like whoever these people are, like we need to we need to control them a little bit. See if we can talk them talk yeah. them down. Except he was about to kill Jade Fox. Was he? Enter the ninja with the green destiny. Jade Fox. Green destiny. And it catches Lumi by off guard. This is when he pulls out that stick. No, no, no. That's no, later. no? Stick is later. It's not the scene, though? Uh-uh. Well, no, but it, it is their first, uh, like, encounter with each other like in a, uh-huh. in a fighting well actually i think i don't think he's met her yet no this no, is the first time because he's kind of going through he's mostly just doing like evasive stuff the whole time like she's right. super aggressive coming at him mm-hmm. and he's almost admiring like mm-hmm. her fighting style or her skill and like where'd you learn yeah. this and oh mm-hmm. i should train you and oh you should and like that's probably the most frustrating thing i could think of is if i'm trying to put hands on somebody and they're like wow you're pretty good <laughs> and just kind of, I'd be 
quite upset <laughs> that I'm like, I'm trying to knock you out. And it's just like, hey, good effort, sport. That's awesome. <laughs> he was mad cool with it, too. Yeah, he was just crispy the whole fight. <laughs> and he had, he had the white getup that stayed crispy the whole movie. Yeah, he didn't get dirty. Just that supreme drip. <laughs> and so uh he's like yeah there's no way jade fox is your is your master like you're doing mm-hmm. these moves like she's too nice yeah um but that frees up so jen coming and fighting them frees up jade fox to go and continue fighting the cop she throws a his his blade weapon straight into his forehead kills him mm. That was a mean kill, too. Yeah, yeah. Caught him with his eyes open, bro. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually that's actually pretty dope, seeing that she threw a dart at him the first time, and he caught it with chopsticks, and then a whole blade yeah. he's staring at and couldn't catch it. <laughs> I was like, this dude trash. <laughs> Got distracted. All right, so they flee. Cop dies, they flee. Um, Chulin thinks that it's Jen, right? Let's yeah. see. I think, yeah, I think that okay. So now Shulin, um, she goes to Jen's house, you know, has a conversation with the mom. But I guess she, she, she does like this cool little test when the mom likes not is not looking. Shulin mm-hmm. drops a like a, a, a plate with like the teacup on it, mm-hmm. and then it's like basically horizontal, like it's gonna spill, but then Jen is so quick with the reflexes, she picks it back up and puts it on the table and kind of reveals herself to being like, okay, you know, you're, you're definitely that, that mm-hmm. ninja that keeps popping up. Um, and, and so this is when she reveals that the person that died was a cop, right? Mm-hmm. Jen, Jen didn't know that. And so it's kind of like a important news for her to hear. Shulin knows that, you know, Jen is kind of like, not she she doesn't think jen is like a bad person maybe just caught up with the wrong people jay fox Mm -hmm. namely Mm -hmm. um so now jen tries to return the sword so this is this is the next night scene where she she encounters lee mubai right he's like oh you can just give it to me like she 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 tries to go in through the window where she went the first time and he's just standing and she comes out from the shadows oh that's my sword you can give it to me and she's just like so stubborn. So he has to chase mm-hmm. her again. So this this is this is where he gets philosophical with her, you know. Like he picks up the stick. He's like, it doesn't matter like how good that weapon is, right? Picks up mm-hmm. a stick, he's fighting her with it. Can they say like uh, these philosophical phrases at or acts without acting or something like I don't know, you know, like the the, the things that monks say. Mm-hmm trying to convince her that uh she should let him train her she's just so damn stubborn um oh and so he uses the he's about to like unmask her too and she's like all right go ahead do it but he chooses not to and so this is kind of like builds up his intrigue into into this this person right he he clearly admires her abilities he, he's always wanted a pupil that is worthy mm-hmm. of the secrets. And so he, he kind of sees an opportunity to, mm-hmm. this to be something. So now not only are 
is you know Shulin, her sister, but now Lima Bai is like trying to you know be her master. So this girl has she has now she has positive influences in her life that she has access mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. in the world that she wants to be in. Mm-hmm. Literally, the people she looks up to. Yeah. Doesn't return the sword, or does she? I think. I don't remember. Anyways, next scene is her getting being confronted by Jade Fox slash the governess. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you you read the secrets of the manual, and you clearly you. Oh yeah, this is Cle- like yeah, clearly you surpassed me. Yeah, like I like this scene a lot, right? Because it it kind of gives Jade Fox a little bit more character and motivation behind what she does this whole movie or even the whole thing because his hatred with Jade Fox because she killed his master, right? Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get a little bit of, she was always trying to learn this martial arts or this style and, and get deeper into it. And he, the master was just like, you're a woman. So no, of course not, right? And so then she was like, I'm gonna just go do it on my own. I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna do this. And then she finds, you know, Jen whenever they link up, but as she takes Jen to be her, her was it pupil, right? Mm-hmm. Jen surpasses her, but never lets her know that, which there's another frustrating joint, right? If I'm going back to, if I'm fighting a person, he's just talking garbage saying like, oh, you're, you're pretty good. And then I train somebody, they're better than me. And then never let me know. It's like, that's a big insult because you might as well tell me you're better and then we can learn together. Mm-hmm. And now I'm wasting time teaching you and you've been past this, like just to, just what, to, to entertain me this entire time? Like I'm not a girl. Like for a minute. Wasn't yeah. she like 10 or something? Yeah, like she passed her a while ago. And so to not share those things with somebody like your master or somebody that you consider a close friend, that's that kind of just adds on to, to me, Jay Fox's character, this whole movie where, she just gets keeps getting poo-pooed on by <laughs> by everybody. Mm. And then so it's not to say that, you know, that, oh, it's right now that she goes back and kills everybody or she has this revenge mission. But it's to make somebody understandable. And I think mm. a lot of times in movies that we've seen in the past, you have a villain that's a villain just to be a villain, right? And it's not always bad. Like, you're a bad guy. You want to take over the world. That's what cartoon bad guys do. It's cool. Mm-hmm. But it's more compelling to have a villain that has an actual motivation as to why they want revenge or why they want to take over the world. Um, I know we be pooping on G.I. Joe, but that was a big one of the G.I. Joe. You just had a guy that was like, I want to blow up the world with nanomites because my father had a mask or something mm-hmm. before. And you're like, <laughs> what? Right. And I'm a bad guy. So I yeah. do bad guy things. No so motivation. I think, yeah, I think it's dope when you have a character that kind of, you give them kind of these layers where they've had people that they trusted that have just kind of played them in the end and led them on for a long time. Like that was the thing with the master. He just kind of led, the, led her on thinking she was going to learn something. She's teaching a student. The student led her on because she didn't need to teach her anymore. She could have started teaching her some of these tricks, but yeah, I thought that was a dope scene to kind of solidify this this character a bit, which is cool in this movie because everybody at least had some type of purpose. They weren't just filler. 
Yeah. Didn't they, and they revealed it too because she was like, after the fight, she was like, yo, I, I saw you up against the Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Like, like it was, it was again, like they avoided one of those cliches of like, like literally the character was in the fight scene. You know, they purposefully had the tiered, you know, skill level with each character. So it was super obvious who could go up against the Mumbai because Jade Fox, she wasn't holding up at all. So it was like, it was like, it was just, again, very smart, again, from the storytellers, where you have Jade Fox immediately confront Jen. Yo, I literally just saw the same fight everybody saw. Why you've been playing games? You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a waste of like question and stuff. It was just straight up like, it was an interrogation, that's the word. They just straight up were like, what's up, bro? (laughs) Why are you so nice? (laughs) And then Jen had to come clean. Like, yeah, I've been better than you for like a decade, bro. Like, I've just been, I've just been chilling for a straight like ten years. You're nothing, Jade Fox. And she was like, even it, if, go ahead. She was like, even if you knew how to read, you wouldn't have understood. Bruh, she hit her with the literacy. <laughs> <laughs> even if you knew how to read, damn. I don't know. I just like that's exactly what you say, Marcus. Like that's that. That's that layered character. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. like, you get to that space of, like, you know, asking questions of, like, where you're not really using terms like hero and villain. You're using terms like protagonist, antagonist, right? You know, we're going to find out later why she killed Limu by his master. Because this dude was just using her for the booty. <laughs> didn't respect her as a person. Mm. You're going to get poisoned. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, like that... And I'm kind of with that. It's like, yeah, man, like, you should have just taught her. Get poisoned, bro. Like, you know, women's rights. What's up, dog? <laughs> like, that's literally, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's just far more compelling. And then, like, yeah, just it keeps it more interesting because we're still in this, like, ancient China where it's like, Mumbai, he doesn't care. You killed my dude. Like, I don't yeah. care why. It's just like, bro, like, we should sit and talk about this. Put her in prison yeah. or something. No, I have to kill her. I don't know. I just, yeah, it's it's complicated. I like it. That's the world. It's a world of killer be killed. Mm-hmm. So now we have Low. Low shows up. He, we find we see his backstory as Dark Cloud, leader of a then, desert horde. Because he was the dude that interfe- intervened during like the initial chase scene fight, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, She's like, oh, what are you doing here? He's like, you know, I've been looking for you, et cetera. But, you know, you had so much traffic on your rooftop. Um, but then we get the flashback, right? Mm-hmm. Jen's family, the Yus, are traveling through the desert. And then a desert horde comes around the corner, attacks them. And he, they're led by Dark Cloud. He, uh, you know, they, they attack the, the caravan. And uh, he rides up to her carriage and takes her comb. So now that he has her comb, she chases him across the desert. She jumps on a horse, chases him, fights all his men. She fights to exhaustion. She fights till she Her character is the definition of stubbornness. Yeah. Every scene, she does the most pig-headed 
stupid, stubborn stuff. It's crazy. Like that's it's just good. Like everything, every every bit of trouble she gets into is because she's the stubborn one. Right off into the desert against a desert horde. Yep. What's wrong with you? Why? For a calm? Tripping. That's crazy. That's a good story right there. <laughs> she wakes up and he's like, he has like a nice place. He's got food. Mm-hmm. He's got water. He's, she's trying to be hospitable. Um, but she tries to escape again. She, she, she knocked him out? Uh, yeah, she, yeah, she hits him over the head <laughs> with a rock. Rides across the desert. Passes out again. And she wakes up back at his place. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to be nice, saying all the, all the right things. Um, she stabs him in the chest. Right. And then they immediately start making love. It was bloody <laughs> lovemaking. That sweet stab sex. <laughs> Lady, fellas, if your ladies aren't stabbing you, then you're not really making love. Ooh. She ain't the one for you, fellas. Man, I, I don't know if I want to co-sign that. <laughs> I'm very white bread at my house. Oh, I get stabbed at least, you know, three, four times a month. Oof. Can I see what some of your scars? Might have to stab me first. <laughs> um... At this point, you're more scarred than man. <laughs> I've had many suitors. Wait, so that's why your face looks like that? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> I was in love once. <laughs> I was in the desert. <laughs> Oh man, we need Mia. Yeah, we're not gonna get through the rest of the scene without, without God's grace. Um, so they have a little—they're having a little pillow talk, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I guess he Post tells coitus. Her, yeah, and he tells her a story about I don't know some kid, but the the punchline of of his. His pillow talk is a sincere heart will make dreams come true. Well, so that's the story where like the kid climbed a mountain mm-hmm. to jump off to make because like something about his parents, like they got hurt or they died or something. And so he was told like if he jumped off a mountain, his whatever his dreams will come true. And then I think she asked the question, well, did they come true? And then he responded with that freaking riddle. Mm. of like the pure heart or whatever what you just said since, since your heart will make dreams come true a dream is a wish your heart makes <laughs> <laughs> then Jiminy Cricket floated away on an umbrella <laughs> yeah that's the kind of, I mean that's like again storytelling wise brilliant way to like you're weaving in the theme it's a delicious little foreshadow right like it's just it it's very well placed because it's in between sex scenes because they had a lot of cave sex there, a lot of desert cave sex. It's about forty five minutes of just straight, just straight up, cave straight. Sex. Yeah. Did you guys have a different edition? I might Director's have to go. Cut. 
I'm gonna have to go back and <laughs> it's a Snyder cut for research it's purposes. The, you have to get yours off a of LimeWire. <laughs> it just cuts over to an entirely different movie. <laughs> Why is she a blonde? <laughs> There's no more subtitles. <laughs> She's like, I'm here to fix your plumbing. And he's like, in the desert? What? <laughs> what My name is Dark Cloud. <laughs> My name is Jen. <laughs> I'm so lost in this desert cave. Give me back my comb. <laughs> I need my my hair combed. Oh, man. So, low, you know, come back to the president. Low wants to... <laughs> low. <laughs> Lo wants to stop the marriage. And she's yeah, just like, no. flashback. Yeah. To she's like, you, know, you, you gotta go. You know, I'm doing this. You're not part of my life anymore. But in the next scene, they have the whole marriage procession, and he comes in and uh comes in charging, screaming that he how much he loves her. He tried too, because he put the yeah. comb back in her hand mm-hmm. and he dipped. So I, I guess homie didn't sleep that night or something because he came out against an army. It's like, come on. That's true love. Because <laughs> I wouldn't do that. He definitely loves her. But no, I, I think it's, it's super important too, right? Because they spent so much time establishing um, Mubai and Lucian's uh, Shulin. Shulin's relationship there's my lexia um they they spent so much time setting up the fact that these two characters they have issues like being open and and following their heart all that stuff so then when we met jen and she's very like she admires these people and the way that they live and like shulin is telling her like yo like marriage it's the right thing to do i i wish that i didn't miss out on that whatever it's just super comp because it's like she gives that advice not knowing that jen had this you know desert affair and like she's literally stuck in between choosing two different dudes it's just it's crazy because it's like this is a martial arts movie you know what i'm saying yeah like to to put this much like romance drama you know what i'm saying like this is like this is a soap opera right now yeah but like it's buried underneath great storytelling and the best martial arts action that marcus has ever seen (laughs) and uh yeah i don't know it's just it i feel like the lesson there is like you know looking at movies like ultraviolet which we unfortunately had to watch you know put put some put a story in there put some characters in there like the movie would have been better if like you know, she was trying to get married to some guy who she loves someone else from the <laughs> desert. You know what I'm saying? It just would have been a better movie if, like, she actually had something to fight for mm-hmm. instead of just, like, like, why was she fighting? What was Ultraviolet about? I still don't know. Was about she the, or was uh, she not a vampire? It was the Green Destiny. She was trying to get the Green Destiny um, from Lee Mumbai and the year <laughs> 3000. <laughs> So obviously you weren't paying attention. Crouching That's- tiger hidden ultraviolet rays from human eyesight. We're, we'll work on that title. We can workshop yeah. it. We can workshop <laughs> it. So I mean, you know, this movie it's it's really a drama. There's martial arts in it, 
Um, mm-hmm. But even even those scenes, they really serve to just push the plot along. Mm-hmm. Um, they're well placed, and I think they they make sense. Um, it's a, it, like I think I think when I first saw this movie, I was hoping it was going to be a martial arts movie. I found it to be much more than that with mm-hmm. good martial arts in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Lin Bai and Shulin, they, they kind of like intercept Lo. Mm-hmm. They tell him to go to Wudang and wait for Jen. Wait for her there. That they'll they'll get her there. And then we find out the Green Destiny has been stolen once again. Now Jen oh, has Jen. it. She has it again, and she's uh, traveling as Master Long. The supposed With a yeah gangster scene because it's like it's good comedy. So she claims that she defeated Lumubai. I have here as Master um, Long. She claims she defeated Lumubai and uh, well, so so she's she's in this uh, like a, a outdoor tavern or something like that. And uh-huh. these two other guys come up to her, and she like slices their weapons in half like very easily. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, do you know Li Mubai? Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, yep, he's my defeated foe. And so they're like in awe because everyone knows how amazing Li Mubai is. And then um, she runs train on all of those gentlemen. Well, let's see, I have I have in my note, I want to be with you. What is that from? Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know you felt that way, but we can talk after the podcast. Oh, so um, this, I can go. this, <laughs> so this must be the scene where Limu Bai and Shulin are talking again, right? Oh, is that like right before they uh, hunt down Master Long? Yeah. So you, you get introduced to Master Long in like this little tavern. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, they they have Limu Bai and Shulin talking, mm-hmm. and he is just kind of like. I love just being able to just sit here with you, you know, like uh, any, you know, he, he touches our hand for the first time. Yeah. It took me so long to just be able to do that. Man, it's crazy. Cause it's like, so one of my favorite movies, recent movies, and I think Marcus, you hate this movie too, uh, is Joker. I think Joker was a very good film for a couple of reasons. One of the things that I really appreciate about, appreciate about the film is they introduce this revolver for the main character, Arthur. And you know, revolver, you only got six bullets in the head. And I don't think he shoots more than six bullets in the whole film. So whether the bullet count, no matter the bullet count, as far as like with the gun itself, he only kills, I think, four people. And that to me heightens the violence as mm-hmm. opposed to like movies that try to get ultra violent, try to kill tons of people all the time. That is to me less jarring then when you see, again, using Joker as the example, that just feels so much more painful because they don't do tons of shooting in the movie. Contrast that, like, looking at this scene in Crouch, Tiger, Headed Dragon, we hear about their relationship issues. We understand that he went away to go learn this thing. We understand that she was engaged to his homie. There's so many reasons why they should never hold hands, let mm-hmm. alone be in a relationship. And they they make us deal with this sexual tension for what hour and a half at this point until he finally touches her hand, and it's just it's such a powerful scene. I don't know. I just I just think it's just just so beautiful. 
Yeah. And it's just, it's as simple as touching hands. And, but you and, understand what comes with that, you know? And the, the admission that I just want to be with you, you know? Yes. Despite everything. Finally, says, finally says it, yes. So now we have Jen versus the restaurant, right? So she is, INR me comes up, tries to ask for a lesson. And it's weird because like <laughs> they all they all have like the traditional you know garb, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess they're like gangsters. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, she fights him. He's got actual like iron casings on his forearms. Um, she was so it, mad that he hurt her, her wrist. Yeah. She was like, "What the hell?" Did you? And just destroyed him. <laughs> And they ask her who she is. And so she goes through cutting them all, explaining who she is. She's mm-hmm. all, all these little, uh, uh, you know, I am the, the dragon who, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So she has like a little poem that she says as she's fighting. This one is definitely floaty. This fight is a very floaty fight. Yeah. Just hopping around everywhere. This, this one I like too, though. Um, yeah, it did have her like hopping and kind of jumping up from one floor to the other just twirling all the way up or something yeah. uh, but this one was dope because this was the biggest scene so far mm. where it was i think every scene kind of establishes establishes the power level or the technique or how strong people are and then this one is like what is somebody that's basically the second strongest person in this movie you know argue arguably what do they look like against a bunch of nobodies Mm. and it just it was very anime like when like mm. the creature from another planet comes and fights all the scrubs from an anime show yeah. and just like oh nobody's even close to this <laughs> like mm. she's just walking through a restaurant full of gangsters and walks out without a scratch like it was mm-hmm. easy it was purely just there for for her amusement to just be like these dudes are trash all mm-hmm. of them yeah. Uh, but yeah so yeah it was floaty this one was kind of cool just because it was big like it was a lot of long takes mm-hmm. um and just once again just showed that she's not somebody to be messed with even when she's just kind of jumping around just beating people down off yeah and this scene I, I think also is well this one and the next one i feel like they kind of show the superiority of the sword mm-hmm. Like she's able to, mm-hmm. to to cut through everyone so easily. She's very skilled, but she also has an amazing weapon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And the similar kind of thing happens. Um. So now they go back to some security, um, and then Jen shows up there, right? So, so, mm-hmm. so Shulin's mm-hmm. back at her headquarters. Mm-hmm. Jen shows up. Um, and and Shulin is like, yo, um, you know, go, you know, we, I understand your situation. You know, you're you're married. You don't want to be, et cetera, et cetera. We talked to Lo. He's in Udon waiting for you. Go see him. Go, you know, whatever. And she's just like, oh, you guys have been conspiring against me. She's just a brat, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone, everyone's yeah. trying. Like the people she admired, she admires are trying to help her, and she's just being a stubborn little brat like she's always she always is so she wins like all right no more sisters I'm about to settle this right now and so you have shulin 
and Jen. Jen with her green green destiny and uh, Shulin versus, and Shulin uses all the weapons, all the weapons that she right? had uh, at her disposal. <laughs> this scene is I I really like this scene a lot. Like I don't know, it's just I thought you know it was a cool scene. Uh, Shulin like using these different weapons, seeing her different techniques, you know. Obviously, seeing the Green Destiny just cut through these joints, you know, like that was tight. But there was like there was so much subtext underneath this because it's just like, you know, they're supposed to be like sisters, you know, there's supposed to be some respect, some kind of camaraderie. Like what they did even to get you know low over to to the the compound or whatever. It's just like I don't know. It, it was just so much more than just a random little fight scene. Again, you know, a huge point for this film, you know, what maybe some of these other films can learn from. It's like, it just puts just a little bit of, you know, character development, a little bit of story background, and your fight scenes can mean something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is probably the, uh, the scene that required the most, like, choreography. Like, it's, it's very intricate. It's yeah. very complex. Um, it's long, and it's just one on one. And again, there's like so many like cause because she's using all the weapons. She's just showing so many different fighting styles in just this mm-hmm. one scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this is kind of like the the um, the climactic centerpiece, I guess, of the film. Uh, So they're basically evenly matched. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Jen's weapon is more powerful, so she keeps destroying all of Shulin's weapons, but neither of them is really getting the upper hand. And then Shulin comes out with his broadsword, and she's able to actually uh, win in a sense. She gets Shulin positioned where she can't really uh, win, but uh, I don't think Shulin really intends to kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen cuts Shulin's arm. Yeah, and then uh, Ling Mubai shows up, and so now we have the the floatiest scene of all, where <laughs> Jen's running away and Ling Mubai's chasing her through bamboo forest. Yeah, um, you hated bam- it, didn't you? I think the the bamboo forest is probably where I rolled my eyes the hardest. Where I was just <laughs> like, I rolled them until I flipped out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think in the in the trailer, this scenes look really cool. Like it was really interesting. You're like, oh shoot, they're fighting on bamboo. Like this is cool. And then when I saw it, it looked super goofy to me. Like I know it's choreographed, but they're like just swaying back and forth, and occasionally like going king king, cling cling. And I was like, just get off the bamboo and fight. What are we? <laughs> why, why are we balancing on these bamboo sticks? Um, so this was the one that I was like, you can cut this. And I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind. You could have just turned it into a chase sequence. Cause I think they like chase, she falls in the water, all that kind of stuff later. But yeah, at the beginning of this, I was like, we just, we're just going to be on two different sticks of bamboo swinging swords at each other. Huh? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. What's next after seeing this dope scene before, that's why I think this one to me, I, not a fan because two seconds before we had this fight sequence of every weapon you could think of and they're like cracking tiles with it and all that and then now we're swinging we're swaying gently back and forth on bamboo fighting each other 
was like, well, we turned that down. <laughs> we turned the volume down a bit. I mean, I think they definitely show where, you know, she's super frustrated trying to catch up with Lubai, trying to like knock him off of his balance. Like it was, it was like, you know, she's she's using her floaty abilities at the beginning of the movie to get away from someone who clearly can't do that. Mm-hmm. And now she's up against uh, Lumu Bai, who can do it better than her. So I think in that parallel, um, you know, because we're at, towards the end of the movie, whatever, I feel like it works nicely. Especially, again, like, we get to see her personality throughout it. Like, she's, like, trying to stomp on his tree, trying to shake him loose, and he doesn't even budge. Like, he's just chilling. But, um, but I also... I 100% understand because you didn't like it in the, in the first scene anyways. <laughs> you, you never want to see the wool floaty. Yeah, yeah. So, so the connective tissue doesn't even matter it, for you. It doesn't matter. You're breaking it down and I I stopped listening to you. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's so important because of the themes. I was like, uh-huh. Well, I mean, you're, you're right in that like at this point we know she doesn't really stand a chance against him. Like no one really does. And uh, it gets to the point where she's like, "All right, I'll you know, I'll, I'll be your student if you can take away the sword in in three moves." He does it in one. Does it Fire. in one. He just snatches it. And he's like, "All right, now bow to your master." She's like, "No," <laughs> she's just she nope. just can't not be stubborn. Um, and then he throws the sword. Yep. Over a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets the green destiny, but she's an addict. That's crazy. She, she literally jumps that thing. straight into the waterfall, and it like shocks him. He's like, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> he, he, even even after like he he beat her with a stick, right. she's still obsessed. But like, she just won't learn. Which and is it's kind crazy of like because mm-hmm. like she was about to drown if Gray Fox didn't show up, right? Fox shows up, grabs her out of the water. He's like, he goes searching. He finds them in like this cave. Um, Jen tries to like come on to him. So I guess he realizes, oh, she's drugged. And so he like kicks the drugs into the water and he like gives her some smelling salts and like rubs her back to try to get her out of this, this weird drug state. Mm-hmm. Um, Lin shows up. And he's like, how did you know we're here? She's like, oh, we follow Jade Fox. And so, okay, where, where is she? You know, Jade Fox is in the area. Uh, and then you hear, like, you hear something and then, like, darts start flying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is where you see, this is where they showcase how powerful Lingo Bai really is. Because yeah. he's, it's like a, a, like a stream of just all these little pins and needles. And he's just, he, like, blocking each one individually with a sword with mm-hmm. the green destiny mm-hmm. and then shulin's doing the same but she's a little further away and she has two swords and then j fox comes out from the other side doing the same he blocks it she tries to go at him with the sword he cuts up the sword so much that the pieces go back the way they came and go into her yeah that was nasty and then he uh he delivers the finishing blow straight into her heart. Mm-hmm. So one thing I'll say about like the sword play, especially in this scene, is it's very creative and very unique, like how they make things 
manipulate things and kind of this is how it works in this world, right? Like he's he's going through meticulously knocking all these darts out of the air. And it looks really cool because it's almost that still that dance, like it's almost choreographed how he's mm-hmm. doing it. And I think up until that point, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that mm-hmm. where somebody's blocking things with the sword and it's purposely done. Like the thing that I think of is when in Star Wars where they shoot lasers yeah. and they just kind of spin it mm-hmm. and it just automatically picks every laser up. Right. Like, That's kind of cheap. And the worst, the worst culprit of it, I remember, was in X-Men Origins where Deadpool goes into a room and there's like automatic rifles and he's just like spinning his swords oh, yeah. walking down the hall. Yeah. And I was like, I hate this for some reason. <laughs> and then when you see Crouching Tiger, you're like, this is why. Because right. someone's intentionally blocking it, showing yeah. the skill of how hard it is to do. While this movie is just like, walk into a room and spin your hands like a helicopter right. and block mm-hmm. everything. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just, I, I definitely, as much as I'm always floaty and there's different stuff, I like that there's intentional efforts to make stuff look creative and make it look great, mm-hmm. right? Make it visible, where it's not somebody just doing a bunch of movement and then we'll fix it in post. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, somebody is so skillful that they're doing this and this is, and it shows like the effect mm-hmm. of how it comes out makes a lot more sense than somebody just twirling a laser a, a lightsaber until it knocks mm-hmm. everything back or whatever and so yeah that's something i want to add it had nothing to do with nothing but i i, I figured i would say there's some things in this movie that i enjoy and so <laughs> that's one of the things i like the yeah. creativity of the movie yeah so uh, jade fox is dying she's like you know i want to kill you uh, or she she was like you weren't my real target i was trying to kill jen an eight-year-old little girl full of poison mm-hmm. or no, uh, full of deceit like that's mm-hmm. what real poison is well first she, first before that um he's like okay, now you die and she's like well you're gonna die too right and uh he pulls a poison needle out of his neck he, like, he had missed mm-hmm. one like for all his skill he had to still miss one yeah and that's all she needed so now he's got poison and she's like yeah but eight-year-old little girl full of deceit that's real poison um jen tries to help she's like yeah there's you know there's a cure but i gotta go you know it takes time to prepare so she then gives her uh, like a symbol so she can go back to the headquarters and prepare the antidote Mm -hmm. and then now you have this this end scene where you know he's he's trying to preserve his energy Mm -hmm. and shulin's with him and he knows he's he, he knows he's not gonna make it, so he's he like confesses his love for her in the most beautiful way. I, I think, yeah, I think this is this is the, one of the scenes I think that made this such a a well received movie. I think. Um, what does he say? He's like, I'd rather. Like rather than she's like use your last energy to reach enlightenment or to like go to some enlightened state or whatever. He's like, mm-hmm. I'd rather be a ghost floating by your side for all eternity. Um, and uh, Jen comes with the antidote, but it's too late. We move by is already dead. I really like that choice. Yeah, because like most movies, you know, the main characters aren't gonna die. And in this movie, they're just like, yo, go get the antidote. Here's the symbol. 
Mm-hmm. They literally show us Jen getting there, getting the stuff on the way back. Like they really drag it out, yeah. you know? So it just, you know, it hits harder when it's just like, nope, <laughs> your right. character's going to die. But also it works with that theme, right? Because I'm pretty sure what happens just immediately after is uh, uh, she's just like, yo, like, don't make my mistakes basically you know and like let's Jen just kind of like she just walks away like because like the Limu Bai and Shulin their their relationship is is the example for Jen Mm. that's the whole point you know what I'm saying it's the two different generations of of trying to maneuver love in this era and like all four of these people they don't have it figured out you know, maybe low does, you know, but it's just like, everyone is like, they're trying to balance, like making family happy, doing tradition, right. They're trying to figure out all this other stuff. At the end of the day, they know what their heart wants, man. It was just, it it was, it was, I think it's important for the dude to die, you know, because I think it pushes that, that, uh, that theme of like, this is the example, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This is what can happen if you miss out on, on, you know, choosing your heart's desire. Right. And this is the first time we see Jen be remorseful about anything. You know, she's like even resigned to let Shulin kill her. Mm-hmm. So Shulin spares mm-hmm. her. She's like, go to Udon, go be with Lo, go do the right thing. Right. Damn. She, she goes to the mountain and I, I don't... So I think, I feel like this is a little bit ambiguous, this ending, mm-hmm. um, kind of, but not really. Um, I don't know if this is just Jen being stubborn again, or if it's her just not being able to deal with guilt, but she, she makes a wish, or she has Lo make a wish for her, and then uh, she does what, what the guy did in Lo's story. Mm-hmm. And she jumps off the uh, the mountain and just kind of floats down slowly. Um, the implication is that she dies. I mean, in the story, he what does he go to heaven? I don't know. He go he something good happens, mm-hmm. but I think here, um, you know, she she hopes that the wish will come true and that they'll be back together in the in the desert again. Man, that's, that's how the film ends. Her floating it's down. So it's so poetic. <laughs> it's just like, damn, <laughs> damn it. Like it's it's just pure poetic because it's like it's totally illogical. I mean, unless her her wish was for Lumu Bai to come back, and it's like, and that's what's kind of interesting, right? Like one of the reasons, like I I love the ambiguous ending. Because in this whole movie, they're floating. Like, they're flying around, they're floating. Right. They're doing right. things that's, that are impossible. And it's not tons of things. There's not fireballs. There's not, like, dragons. It's just one little impossible thing. They float. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, for her to jump down, and she's kind of floating down. And, you know, we know the story of the wish. It's just like, was well, it possible in this world for Lee Mubai to come back? And it might be. Mm-hmm. So, like, did she do the right thing? You know what I'm saying? Or, nah, man. 
Like all we do is float. Like that's it. Like, <laughs> ain't ain't no wishes, just floats, baby. <laughs> Don't jump. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So yeah, that's Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon rating. Yeah, let's rate it. So here on the Better Movie Maybe podcast, we rate every movie. On a scale of our choosing, the ratings can be anything and everything. Ultimately, these ratings don't matter because we want you to enjoy a movie that you enjoy. It's okay to like movies. That's fine. Um, so we <laughs> open it up. I rate this all the weapons. All the weapons? All the weapons. All right. All right. Um, on a scale of, of martial arts movies I enjoy... From uh, Enter the Dragon to uh, to the Protector, I give this movie a a rush hour two. Mm. <laughs> How dare you! On the scale of Mortal Kombat to Scott Pilgrim, I'd give this movie two ex boyfriends. Two evil exes. <laughs> I don't think they were evil exes. I feel like they were just complicated characters. Two multi-layered, <laughs> complicated ex-boyfriends. Show. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. I liked the movie. Yeah, man. Me, uh, I realized you guys really liked it. You thought I was going to say <laughs> I really liked it. So. <laughs> it wasn't happening. Yo, so this has been Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon on Better Movie Maybe podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Better Movie Maybe. Uh, check us out. Leave us a comment. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.